0: Hello and welcome to Ear Read This. Uh, my name's Ash. And I'm Adam. And today we're talking about 20,000
1: Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. By Jules Verne, one of my favourite authors. Yeah, so you're, you're the Jules Verne expert really. Um, uh, in, in, in this room, I suppose. In this but room, yeah. I do not fact-checking will ruin this podcast.
0: Yeah, don't fact-check, just enjoy the wave, ride the wave <laughs> of um, everything that we didactically say about... I will
1: I will happily ramble all day about Jules Verne, but this is disclaimer: the the ramblings and love of an of an amateur and not a Jules Verne scholar.
0: Yeah, well, enthusiasm is the only thing yes. that counts. In this, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, I just want to say a long overdue a o- long overdue shout out and thanks to my sister Ella, who does all of our artwork. Yeah, she's incredibly impressive. All of our author pictures, all of the foul papers artwork, all of that. Is uh, done by her. If you want to check any of it out on episodes you haven't listened to, don't know why you haven't listened to them, but all of the artwork is on Instagram. Um, it's a much it's a much higher quality than we deserve. It is. It is definitely. Um, it's a bit like uh, having a basement band and having like, a full professional recording center. Having, <laughs> having someone who's like yeah, like Jules Holland on on <laughs> keyboards or something. So yeah, she's managed to to's done Shakespeare, Muriel Spark. Boswell and Johnson, Jules, Fe- she's never turned around and said, no, I can't do here. A- anyone that I ask it just e- emerges in ink. It's amazing. <laughs> never turns around and says, oh, no, I can't do a Shakespeare.
1: Shall we try and see if we can get her to do any ones of authors we don't know what they look like to see if she's channeling some sort like of psychic Thomas powers? Thomas Pynchon?
0: Oh, there's one photo <laughs> of him, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could just make one up. <laughs> anyway, you can check all of that artwork out on Instagram. Thank you so much, Elle. Let's um, dive under the waves. he go
1: 20,000 leagues down.
0: Well, no, that's not, the because I, I thought that as well, but isn't it, it's 20,000 leagues
1: travelled yes. underneath the sea. because leagues, leagues isn't leagues a measurement of depth. Were you trying to catch me out there so schoolboy era? Yeah, because <laughs> I think it's 20,000 leagues under the sea. 20,000 leagues, leagues is a horizontal nautical measurement. It would be fathoms if you were going... It'd be 20,000 fathoms under the sea. If we were going deep. I actually don't know how deep a fathom is, so I don't know if there's anywhere on Earth where you can get 20,000 fathoms, but probably.
0: They do mention that at one point um, how much Aranax thinks is the the maximum depth of the ocean. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Adam, are we just... shoot. Are we, we we must look crazy for, for with our episode titles. Um, <laughs> never mind the foul Papers ones,
1: but just the books that we are going... It to, look, to, the, to the untrained eye, to it looks like we now, are just throwing darts at our bookshelf. We
0: look nuts. But um, are we meandering around, or are we in fact like g- geniuses w- in, in, a,
1: in a way? If we, if we are geniuses, we are accidental geniuses. Because we, we in, in deciding what books and authors we wanted to talk about, we unknowingly hit upon a theme. Mm. And the theme is... All of the authors that we chose have some sort of connection tenuous or otherwise to Scotland.
0: Yeah, although we're going I think we might break that rule a bit, but I've, there's going to be a lot of them that have a connection yeah. to Scotland. Joseph,
1: Jules Verne probably one of the most surprising ones. Mm. In, you know, he's thought to be, you know, he's French author wrote at a time in a very French style. Mm. But he he had two very distinct trips to Scotland and in between those two trips he wrote Books set in Scotland, he was influenced greatly by Scottish writers and places he saw in Scotland. Mm. So I think that's a fair enough connection for us to, to, to ramble without, oh, without it without guilt. Oh, we can claim it. Definitely we can
0: claim um, it. The other thing is, of course, that the a bit like Boswell and Johnson, a bit like some of the books that we won't reveal the titles of that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It is, this is another book of episodic adventures, setting out on a journey where the, the characters don't exactly know the reason... Yeah. for their adventure. Um, I'd say that was fair.
1: There's a joy in the natural world in cataloguing. In the in the same way that H.G. Wells was, was writing about science. There's an awful lot of H.G. Wells kind of yes. apparently
0: H.G. Wells was a big fan of Jules Verne.
1: Uh, yeah, I would I would not surprise me in the slightest. Mm. And in the way that H.G. Wells was writing about scientific concepts decades before they became mm. ended up becoming real. I think Jules Verne called a lot of things that may, may have become the norm.
0: Yeah. Um, a c- couple of other things that we're going to revisit after our Boswell and Johnson escapade. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of male friendship in this book. Lots of male friendship. In fact, I didn't realise until the end, not only is there a lot of male friendship, but there's actually no women in twenty thousand
1: leagues under yep. the sea, full stop. Not a
0: single, <laughs> not a single this, one.
1: If this, if this was a film, it would it would fail the Bechdel test by quite <laughs> existing. some distance.
0: Yeah. Although no, isn't the Beck, isn't the test the Be- about Be- what Be- women talk about
1: in Be- films? Be- the Bechdel test is two women talking to each other. Yeah. About something. It wouldn't other even than, qualify yeah, for the that's test. What I mean, yeah. by, talking about something other than a man. Yeah. And this is a book where only men talk, talk to about each other. Men. Mostly about <laughs> other men. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh speculate about other men, the prowess of other men. <laughs> what what could Captain Nemo be up to right now? God he looked impressive holding <laughs> that harpoon. Uh, the other uh thing that's gonna crop up quite a lot is bountiful, almost uh orgy-like descriptions of eating. Yes. Um that's one of another, the highlights
1: of this book. That's another that's another common link back to Boswell and Johnson. Yeah, I
0: think. yeah, we'll get into that more in depth in a bit. But obviously, this is fiction. Yes. So that's where we're we're we're, we're changing it up. Should we um, outline the premise for someone who doesn't know? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's one of those books that you probably absorb a, a kind of
1: knowledge of. S- yeah, sense of what's well, you've, involved. You've read it much more recently than me. Do you want to do yeah. the, the
0: plot outline? Sure. So a naturalist professor. Anorax. Aranax. I was just about professor to say... Professor Anorax. I was just about to say every time I read it, I read it as an anorax. But it's A-R-R-O-N-A-X. French professor, naturalist... Um, Extraordinary. ...interestingly yeah. lives in botanical gardens... Yep. Yeah. ...and owns a barbarossa, we,
1: we discover early on, which is a horned <clears throat> pig. Yeah, it reminds me of... Um do you ever read the Professor Challenger novels by Conan Doyle? No, I haven't. Conan Doyle's we definitely read Vern, yeah. because Professor Challenger lives on some kind of mad fantastical estate, and people go to visit him there, and then they go on adventures after they've been to his sort of weird little wonderland. Ah, so the fact that Ar- Aranax lives in this kind of bizarre botanical, botanical gardens, gardens and a Horn Pig is pretty.
0: I kind of wanted to have a whole, a, a few chapters in the botanical gardens, but you never actually, you never actually see them because I think that. Or the horned
1: pig. Or the horned pig. It's it's just it's just hearsay. But why would you have one? I don't. I, I don't know. I think clearly, Jules when thought it was important enough to the character to give him a horned pig. That will that will pig. definitely that'll set him up in the reader's mind. Um.
0: So he gets fascinated by reports of Some ships kind of, being sunk. Yeah, and reports of a sea monster. By a sea monster, yes. which um it's it's speculated what this sea monster might be he Some decides kind of giant narwhal perhaps he goes public with his theory that it's a giant narwhal <laughs> based on the fact that it bore a, a triangular shaped hole perfectly triangular shaped hole in the hull of one of these ships yeah. that it sank <clears throat> um he is mocked and as he says uh cartoonists and satirists tear his theory to pieces and wit got the better of science or something like that yeah. and a, the the book goes on science will very much come out triumphant yes um and so he sets off in the abraham lincoln not the ship we're going to spend a lot of time on in this novel chasing the giant narwhal there's one of my favorite quotes when they find what the monster what the, the real monster which is not a, a narwhal but um someone's looking over the side and there's this big phosphorescent glow mm-hmm. under the water T- sort of tunneling towards yeah. them, and someone says something along the lines of, "It looks like it is a narwhal, professor, and an electric one to boot."
1: <laughs> I think that shall we shall, shall we go ahead and spoil what the the giant narwhal actually is? Oh uh, yeah,
0: I think everybody knows. everyone
1: must know. So the narwhal turns out to be the Nautilus, the fantastically advanced and huge submarine of Captain Nemo, mm. and I running
0: think, on this mystical power source yes. known as.
1: Electricity, e- electricity. Yeah, uh, a, 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 a sub submarine luminaire. Yeah, but I think that I don't think there's any submarine that's in science fiction that does not owe some part of its design or description to the Nautilus. Mm. I think it might be the be all and end all of science Fictional fiction submarines. Because <laughs> I think that have you seen the Disney film Atlantis? No, but I can I can picture it it's about an expedition to atlantis Mm. there was the um this one was actually the nautilus there was the the sean connery vehicle the league of extraordinary gentlemen oh yes i saw that which had nemo as a character in it and the nautilus was what they sort of wrote about in nemo and the nautilus were the most memorable parts of that yeah i can't i can't even remember which character sean connery was supposed to be was he some kind of helsing yeah, maybe. He shot things. Anyway, I I love the Nautilus. I love the idea of Captain Nemo jaunting all over the mm. the world, free from rule and regulation in his submarine, doing whatever he please.
0: Doing whatever he likes to do. We'll get into what he actually yeah. likes to do. So we've got uh, basically four characters who end yeah. up uh, on the Nautilus. One is the elusive Captain Nemo. We'll come to him last, yeah. maybe. There's One um, is Aranax. Aranax. Uh, Ned- Ned Land. Ned Land. Ned Land. Ned Land, the French Canadian Harpooner. Prince of Harpooners, he's described. <laughs> which I, I would be remiss, would I not to to not suggest that he's not Canadian at all. But if he's that fanatical a harpoonist and as full of much bloodlust as he is uh-huh. throughout, he can only be one race and that, that has to <laughs> be <the> Japanese. Japanese.
1: <laughs> he's definitely he definitely
0: got some some, some
1: Japanese fisherman he, in him. He loves He can't get enough of spearing sea creatures.
0: I mean, he becomes moved at the thought of not being able to murder. (laughs) Genuinely. He becomes very upset at the idea that he might not be able to do it anymore. He is a prisoner on board the Nautilus. And when a a pod of whales goes (laughs) by that he's not allowed to harpoon, he pretty much cries like a dog (laughs) shut outside. (laughs) And who's
1: the fourth character? There is um, Anorax's... Servant, fucking
0: yeah! I don't even want to talk about Conseil. <laughs> pisses me off that Conseil. He's such a okay. We'll, we'll get such a little brown nose.
1: We'll, we'll get into why Conseil pisses you off soon.
0: Um, but Ar- Aranax is our narrator. Yes, and um, uh, uh, I've got a little reading. Oh, um, do you want to just fill time and? Um, sure. Say well, I'm I'm, I'm
1: I'm wondering if you're going to do it in the style of a mid-century French scientist. Well, obviously. <laughs> I just outline what part of the story we're going into. With so the
0: the um, I thought I'd read this bit out because it's it sort of sums up what a lot of the book is like. The plot there's not so much of a of a plot as a as a plot on a map. Yes, it's a it's a tour. A bit Boswell and Johnson again. Yeah, Richard, but that's that, that's very Verne. But it, it's it's almost like a big excuse to, in the way that some movies are excuses to show off sets yeah. or. Um, Certain actors or well, yeah. effects. Well, what, 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 this seems what like is, an excuse to talk about natural history an awful lot. Yeah, in and,
1: and what is around the world in eighty days, if not an excuse to talk about all these different countries? And what's yeah. strain at this end of the earth, if not an excuse to talk about Jules Verne's favorite geology of that week? You know. Mm.
0: So this is a, a fairly typical passage, quite far on the in the novel, but it, yeah. it gives nothing away. This is uh, Aranax on board the Nautilus, looking out one of its um, windows. How many delightful hours I spent in this way, at the lounge window. How many new specimens of underwater flora and fauna I marvelled at beneath the light of our electric beacon. Mushroom-shaped fungus coral, some slate-coloured sea anemone, including the species... Thalassianthus aster, among others, organ pipe coral arranged like flutes and just begging for a puff from the god Pan, shells unique to this sea that dwell in madreporic cavities and whose bases are twisted into squat spirals, and finally a thousand samples of a polypore I hadn't observed until then, the common sponge. A sort of utter delight and thrall at whole reams and reams of underwater life
1: Jules Verne takes up
0: so much of this
1: Jules Verne marvels at science in the same way that H.P. Lovecraft was afraid of it I think oh nice because Lovecraft's whole horror thing was that they were discovering things so quickly and he couldn't quite keep up and he was scared Mm. he was scared of space he was scared of Pluto especially all all of these things he was scared of and that comes out in his writing I think that vernon wells are enthusiasts and Enthu- enth- enthusiasts Optimists. yeah exactly and i think that and another thing about that i really enjoyed listening to that but mm. one of the things that jules verne's biggest problem when he was still alive was his whoops whoops <laughs> Sorry. one of one of jules verne's biggest problems when he was alive was the quality of his translations mm. he could not get his work translated into english in a style and quality that he liked. Mm. They kept chopping and changing bits when it got published into English to the point where he eventually gave up on trying to get his work published in English. Oh, right. So for it to be rendered properly into English now, I think it was only in the last 40, 50 odd years that it was finally published in, been... in full in English. Oh. So that's it's fairly new and there's still... I remember I remember that bit actually from my own version, 20,000 Leagues, and I think it's actually even a d- different translation there. Really? There is no singly recognised translation or translator of uh, and so everyone gets a crack. So
0: was there something in particular he was disappointed with?
1: Just in the way that it was never his... Dumbing down? it was or? Never, his, yeah, his yeah. Nev- never his vision, because I think people were... He was so enthusiastic about the science of it and he put the science into his works in a real way mm. as he was learning it, pretty much, that that stuff was sort of excised and dumbed down for a general reading audience who are reading these in sort of Penny Dreadful-style... Serialized fashion, yeah. Because so, the other
0: important thing we haven't we didn't actually mention that this will have been serialized yes. when it was first. So eighteen sixty something, eighteen ninety si- something.
1: I can't remember what the actual publication date was. Give me a sec. It was eighteen seventy exactly. Okay, eighteen seventy, and so yeah, that was after one of his trips to Scotland and before another one of his trips to Scotland. And I think that he. He, he He toured a lot, but not as much as he wanted to. I think he was often in ill health, mm. so I think that his yeah he was diabetic wasn't he yeah. yeah so he had he writes these amazing adventure stories and going to these amazing places, and they're places he would never have seen, which mm. I always thought was kind of melancholic in a way
0: yeah the, the also the funny thing is all of the science which are, you, you can tell why it meant such a lot to him because it's all even though all the characters are talking about how miraculous and otherworldly it is mm-hmm. he doesn't really over egg anything there's nothing
1: too far out of the um, realms of of, of science <clears throat> to be fair though that is us as a modern readership reading it that way to a, a victorian readership this would have been like another oh, world like we, oh sure but but for, to him who mm-hmm. will have seen some early
0: electrical experiments yes. for example he was going off you know obviously his guessing as a novelist yeah. but still sticking to what he'd learned. He yes. wasn't going like it's perfectly legitimate for science fiction authors to do like, t- mm-hmm. taking a new step forward in technology and then inventing you know three or four leaps ahead projecting yes. some
1: horrible uh, Well the the idea of a b- of a, an electrically powered submarine mm. would have seemed like nonsense to anybody I mm. think because I think that the um they talk about the the transatlantic telegraph cable in this yeah
0: he also he sends telegraphs (laughs) he sends telegraphs through his uh skiff yes when he goes he he goes away on the on the surface he Uh sends a telegraph back to say i'm ready to come back to the nautilus yeah
1: Yeah. so there's um there are these real scientific advancements that he's talking about and i think this is the kind of thing that the science the phrase science fiction was coined for Mm. this is fiction that is based and finds its excitement in science and what science might, yeah, what cable science can and may one day be able to do.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we started talking about Aranax. Anything more to say on him, just as a as a character? He's
1: he's a he's he's, he's a reliable narrator.
0: Yeah, I would also say he's he another Wells Wellsian similarity is that both Jules Verne and H. G. Wells have this thing of men of science being their narrators. Yes. And people say that the wells tone is a bit stiff or the Verne's tone is sometimes a bit stiff but actually even if it is just their voice yeah. it always kind of works because if their narrators are men of science mm-hmm. that they, they don't have to be as emotionally probing as
1: um no other and i narrators. think that, but their emotion comes out when they get to be excited about science
0: exactly yeah yeah
1: and i think another another it makes it very yeah.
0: endearing books to see
1: see someone so excited about papules papules and zoo fights and i think that another another parallel i'll draw to lovecraft is that you know al- almost all of lovecraft's serious protagonists are academics mm. and that style's criticized for being dry and academic but then that just adds to the tone mm. where somebody who's academic is seeing something that they can't rationally process and that drives them to madness yeah in Vern, somebody with a scientific mind is seeing something scientific and it's um you know it's incredible to them and they're happy and that's that kind of feeling of adventure that what's what could be around the next corner oh it's some sea sponge mm. but that's an incredibly exciting thing you know? but you
0: see sort of scientific curiosity <clears throat> outweighing fear mm-hmm. and then occasionally fear getting the better of them and yes and you know almost becoming superstitious at places and that kind of thing that that's what kind of makes it interesting to hear from that kind of narrator
1: well there's um during the center of the earth Mm. when they go down and onto the underwater sea and there's a point where main character decides to sort of question why he's even what the hell is he even doing down there yeah why why am i here why have i come and then they eventually get to the other side and then there's some more amazing discoveries to be made and then they Refind their purpose. They're like this. This is why I came to see this and to discover this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I might as well mention him. Consale. <laughs> you really don't like him, nah? No, just I oh, pissed me off. Especially this. Re- <laughs> Basically, he's this. He's a kind of golem-like mm-hmm. character <laughs> who, calls, who, calls, <laughs> yes, who calls. Yes, Professor Yes,
1: Master. Yes. He's kind he's of like an of, ego, isn't he?
0: He is ego, yeah, but uh, he's a, an annoying ego because he insists on. Classifying everything that he sees in, yes. a, in a desperate effort to impress his math master quite quite a pathetic character really mm-hmm. uh, oh i've got a little reading on him just to give you a, a sense <laughs> of Conseil uh, am I saying it right by the way conseil
1: that's how I 'd say it
0: yeah okay so this this comes at a point where they I think they're talking about their possible freedom mm mm-hmm. At Aranax, Consale, and Ned Land end up de facto prisoners on board yes. the Nautilus. It's after, it's after they've been attacked yeah. and
1: brought on board.
0: And the harpoon wild Ned <coughs> Land desperately wants to escape. Aranax, the man of science, is obviously quite taken yeah. with life aboard the Nautilus and so isn't so desperate to, at least at first. Yeah. And this is what our friend Conseil says to Ned Land's uh, question of whether he wants to escape. Your friend Conseil, the fine lad replied serenely, that is, Conseil talking, has nothing to say for himself. He's a completely disinterested party on this question. Like his master, like his comrade Ned, he's a bachelor. Neither wife, parents, nor children are waiting for him back home. He's in Master's employ. He thinks like Master. He speaks like Master. And, much to his regret, he can't be counted on to form a majority. Only two persons face each other here Master on one side, Ned Land on the other. That said, your friend Conseil is listening and he's ready to keep score. I couldn't help smiling as Conseil wiped himself out of existence. <laughs> That's Aaron there, sounding a bit sinister. Yes. But that's that's sort of the measure of sale, um, isn't he? This isn't is it?
1: this is another common Vern character. The sort of long suffering but eternally loyal manservant. Yeah. There's Passport II in Around the World in Eighty Days. Mm-hmm. There's I forget his name in to the Centre of the Earth. This is actually the
0: only Vern I've read.
1: What did as a okay, so as a as a as a Vern-gen, A, a What was your this is one of the best. Yeah. So you've gone, you've gone in, in my opinion, I think you've gone in at a high. Yeah. Do you think you'd be interested in reading more?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd go for the natural history heavy ones. I yeah. think for, for me, just, just to hit the podcast demo and talk about why you should read this, for, for, for me, the, the strongest reason to read this is the natural history observations. Yes. They're just a delight throughout.
1: Yes, they are. And I, but I think that, I'm not going to say much for muchness. But there are common themes that turn up in Verne, yeah. Where you have similar protagonists, similar supporting characters. The only things that change regularly are situations, mm-hmm. and you know, scientists go to the moon, scientists go to the bottom of the sea, scientists go to the center of the earth.
0: Well, that doesn't you know. put me off at all because it, it, that's that's what it, where his no, style. No, because
1: he, he he wrote a whole load of wrote a whole lot of books, incredibly prolific. Mm. But his what were they called like? D- Voyage Fantastique, the fantastic voyage, yeah, yeah. They're his. That's that's is what there he, four of them. Yeah, yeah. So they're like his exemplary works in terms of the science fiction he wrote. He wrote other right. stuff, other. Than he wrote you know novels and he wrote short stories. But it's he like sixty novels. It's ridiculous. I've I've not read anything outside of his science fiction, mm. but in, in, in his science fiction style, he is one of my favourites. Yeah. So yeah, Con Consel, is pain in the ass a pain in the ass? Very typical Verne character, little in the brown sen- nose. Yeah, <laughs> in the sense that so basically Verne's in himself into a corner here, yeah. where they have two characters arguing, and Conseil is the only person who can, who can settle it by yeah. being the, the third party. But that's not his role, so he's decided to wipe himself out of existence by not counting himself as a human being.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have Prince of Harpooners Ned Land. We've already talked about a bit. I wonder what his name was in the French. Because Ned Land as the person Ned who doesn't tear. really like being... Yeah, yeah Ned tear. Um, He is from Quebec, I think. Quebec, French-Canadian. I yeah. assume he's Canadian because therefore he could speak in French to Aaron yeah. Axe. Uh, at one point, he walks through the Nautilus, having been aboard the Nautilus for at least a day, looks around at the library and goes, where am I? The Quebec Museum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, no. <laughs> the only
1: place Ned Land has ever seen yeah, a book.
0: exactly. Uh, he's a <clears throat> sort of... He he he's the hunk. If if you're making a movie, oh yeah, he's, well he's the um, eye candy.
1: In these uh, themes that would reappear in sort of 1950s and previous adventure serials and films, you have very defined character archetypes. You've got the scientist who knows what's going on and drives the plot. You've got the sort of white bread protagonist whose special ability is being strong yeah. and punching <laughs> things. The only the the archety- Ned Land is a James Patterson character. Yeah. <laughs> hunted hunted <laughs> but i i think the um the archetype that's missing from this is like a damsel in distress type there so he is... does
0: do women do you... <laughs> i didn't mean that to sound like that but...
1: well um i don't th- i don't think there's a single woman in uh the center of the earth either really there is in around the world in 80 days but she only turns up about halfway through okay so just you know. just the
0: 40 straight. <laughs> <Mates rates. laughs> Um, so, a little just introduction to Ned Land, but, but I couldn't resist including a dig at Consale, how annoying Conseil is. Um, no, I told Conseil, that's no mermaid. It's an unusual creature of which only a few specimens are left in the Red Sea. That's a dugong. Order sirenia, Group Pisiforma, Subclass Monodelphia, Class Mammalia, Branch Vertebrata. Conseil replied, "What a fucking prick." <laughs> yeah. And when Conseil had spoken, there's nothing else to be said. Yeah, because he just kills the mood immediately. <laughs> Meanwhile,
1: <laughs> would you would you have rather
0: they just drowned Conseil? Oh point? yeah, they, a, just, they just airlocked him. There was a moment where I was I had fingers crossed that <laughs> Conseil wouldn't make it, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ned Land kept staring. His eyes... So he's looking at the dugong. His eyes were gleaming with desire at the sight of that animal. His hands were ready to hurl a harpoon. You would have thought he was waiting for the right moment to jump overboard and attack the creature in its own element. Oh, sir, he told me in a voice trembling with excitement. I've never killed anything like that. So, Ned,
1: in, in, in the way that... um. Aranax looks at the world in terms of science and discovery. Mm. Ned Land looks at the world in what he can and can't kill. Kill, But also, we have to
0: say, I mean, even though Aranax looks at the world in terms of science, he is not... He is not shying away from killing and eating he's stuff. He's not <laughs> hesitant to eat anything that yeah. he thinks is beautiful. I mean, this whole book, honestly, uh, it sort of reads like a an Attenborough episode, if Attenborough finished every piece the camera with... <laughs> We've seen how well they do in a reproductive uh, situation. Let's see how they Let's taste. Let's see how they
1: taste on toast. Well, it's um, that's that's a very Johnson and Boswell thing. We brought that up before. Yeah. Where every description of an animal is immediately followed up by how they know it tastes or think it would taste.
0: Yeah, exactly. They just have <clears> no shame. <throat> the whole thing. I mean, um, Nemo's submarine, yeah. not only does he eat everything he finds in the sea, but he makes tunics out of... Yeah, every animals and plants he finds in the sea, his weapons yep. and embroidery and that kind of thing. Well, it, it's basically like the Flintstones on the nautilus, you know, with all the animals that sort of <laughs> clothes hanger pterodactyls
1: and all, and, that. A, and, a, and a dishwasher hippo. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, I think this was said at a time where the scientific method wasn't set in stone, mm. and a lot of what the scientific method was was going somewhere looking at something, drawing the obvious conclusion and then eating it.
0: And then wiping it out of, th- <laughs> out of existence. Or
1: Charles, Charles Darwin, there's a bit in like The Voyage of the Beagle yeah. when they're going to the Galapagos Islands and he's talking about these amazing turtles and then he eats one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these, these majestic creatures that live hundreds of years... Yeah, he just he just has to sample it.
0: Wouldn't you just love to see an Attenborough episode like that? Just to just to see him sort a of crouch mark, down right. in the savanna, and then a, a lion take off and chase after a wildebeest, <laughs> and then two seconds later, Attenborough take off from the camera <laughs> after <laughs> the lion.
1: <laughs> well, you remember that? Um, do, you know, do you know about the um, story of the dodo? Why it was hunted to extinction? It was just so delicious. It tasted so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had no natural predators, so it was delicious food that wandered delicious up to you, th- just it waiting to dead eat easy, it. easy. Yeah. And every time they tried to bring one back to the UK to research it, it was they just
0: ate it on the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, silly adaptation. So made themselves too delicious. Can oh, I just give you a quick list, oh, please? This is a <laughs> this is a list of everything they ate. I, honestly. As a joke, because I had read this before, so I knew this is something that I wanted to talk about, Mm -hmm. was their immense appetite, particularly Ned Land's. Yeah. Sea turtle loin, dolphin livers, sliced dugong, anemone marmalade, and a 12 kangaroo pie. (laughs) I remember the kangaroo. That that is a top of the iceberg
1: (laughs) of uh, of the creatures they gulp. Okay, so... We've, in, we've talked about the characters, we've talked about the setting. Mm-hmm. What's the plot of this book? Well, then we need to get into who is Nemo and what's he up to. So Nemo is a sort of international fugitive, kind of. He's an underwater
0: fundamentalist.
1: He, yes. He's, he, do, he doesn't believe in countries or nations or the rule no. of law or armies or navies or whatever. Mm. He's, yeah.
0: He's a man of enormous wealth. He yep. could easily pay off the French national debt of something like 10 billion francs, yep. he says. He's built, this sub- <laughs> He's built this submarine... In secret. <laughs> ...by ordering parts from all over the world and not telling them why. That's a, a great little detail. <laughs> I love beta. that. It really f- that really feels like something that, I don't know, you, you kind of like cook up as a kid, to, as, a, as, a, as a kind of lie. But I, 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 I,
1: I do like the idea that he managed to build an incredibly advanced electric submarine out of parts made by people who did not know what an electric submarine was.
0: Yeah, but also the people that he got to help him build it, li- li- that were physically there with him, mm-hmm. they then became his crewmates and also signed up for his whole like lifestyle life's off, yeah. vo- philosophy. So it's, it's like people volunteering to help a cult leader <laughs> dig a trench to build his thing, but then also becoming his children and wives. <laughs> You're not wrong. So he has his own language. He has his own uh, so all all the people they're from all over the world. Yeah. But uh, his crew members that is they speak in a tongue that Aranax can't recognize. Nemo is
1: this hugely <coughs> cultured. Well, he's an Indian. He's well, a son of son of a raja. Yeah. Oh, is he a son of yeah, a raja? Yes, he's son of a raja. Does that come out in this book? Maybe it's the Mysterious Island that one comes out in. But g- he's a he's he's I think he's a southeast Indian man.
0: Right, because he does say at one point, seeing um, a mistreated poor Indian fisherman, I think mm-hmm. he does get quite emotional and say, "That man comes from the uh, the country of oppressed people. I am of, of that nation too." Yes, and it seems a bit like well, it could mean he's Indian, or it could mean he, he is, is from the oppressed race, like he oppressed is, people everywhere.
1: Um, his his main, I think his his character arc is that. The British, Im- British imperialism, is what created him.
0: I mean, it lines up. It yeah. does say that his wife and children were lost in uh, being being oppressed by what sounds like a colonial force.
1: Yeah, so he he hates we he he, he hates the British. It's sort of more more than all. It's they're a, his least favorite. Yeah. I'm not sure if that does that come up in. This I might one? be blending. I might be blending the two stories together, but Nemo's Nemo's general character type archetype is that he hates imperialism, yeah, and what it does to the world. Yeah, you can definitely
0: see that yeah. beginning in this book at yeah. least. Um, what was I going to say? He's he's sort of like a Robin Hood character. Yeah, he is. We discover as the the book goes on, he's flying around or swimming around in this ridiculous submarine. He's got sort of pearl farms undersea that he habitually checks on and then donates to the poor and the oppressed. Um, So he does have some communication with the outside world, although he's resolved to never step on land again. Hmm.
1: Um, What else was I going to mention? Does he he play the organ in this one?
0: He does. It's a bit Davy Jones, isn't it? Because he won't go on land and he plays the organ. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah um he's got a, his own little insignia which is moving within the moving element yep. written around an n um <laughs> he's um he's, he's done a lot of branding he's done a lot of branding yeah he's, he's really thought about like what all the business cards will look like <laughs> but you know he's got loads of pens yeah yeah
1: <laughs> all or monographed let's be honest it is a very culty it, 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 it's very culty what's his rule again it's like the, the, he has a rule about dry land but he'll he'll go on dry land if it's uninhabited
0: uh, yeah like yeah. he goes
1: to desert islands and antarctica
0: he got, no, the, I think the only land he steps on in this novel is Antarctica.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think as in the, in the, the, the I, we, I should have mentioned it earlier, but the Mysterious Island is the sequel, the sequel to this. Yeah. But you don't know it's the sequel to this until halfway through the book, mm. where there's a whole lot of people on an island, and then they accidentally stumble into the dry dock of the Nautilus. Yeah. On the other, the far side of the island, and then Nemo's there, and that's where most of Nemo's character exposition is revealed. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people. Like, like you, really enjoyed Captain Nemo's character in this book. Mm. So they, they wanted more. Well, he's clearly set up as, as the, you know, the, the, the mysterious. I mean, he is the plot,
0: really. The, like,
1: the Jules verniverse.
0: Yeah, yeah. But he is the, um, you know, what's going on with Nemo drives, drives the plot completely. The other three characters are open books, really. They're, they're happy to be there. Yeah. In the, and that's what makes that Aranax so endearing a, yeah. a narrator.
1: Well I've got a good I've got a good Nemo quote here. Oh yeah. Which it. I think is good for his character. So he's this is this is Nemo responding to Aronnax, complaining about Nemo's attacks are against international law. Okay. Basically. On its surface they can still exercise their iniquitous claims, it being the sea battle each other devour each other haul every earthly horror but 30 feet below sea level their dominion ceases their influence fades their power vanishes ah sir live live in the heart of the seas here alone lies independence here i recognize no superiors here i'm free Mm. and i think that is that's nemo
0: there is one point where aranax turns to him and goes basically says you really do love the sea don't you and he goes yes i love it (laughs)
1: What do you, do you bloody think? I don't. Love the yeah, sea? I just bloody love the sea. Yeah. Well, um, ne- Nemo's not his real name because Nemo is Nemo. N- Nemo's Nemu. no one. Yeah. <laughs> Nemo, uh, it's Latin for no, no one. one. Yeah. Yeah. I think he has a he has a, a, a princely royal Indian name. Oh, okay. Right. But yeah, he's he's a very strong character. Yeah. Which is why I think he turns up in other fiction fairly yeah. regularly. Too good to. Um, Too good to be. Because uh, his
0: fate yeah. is unknown at the end of this novel. Obviously, there's the, the his, mysterious um, island where you'll. Spoils,
1: spoilers for Mysterious Island, a yeah. book that is almost 200 years old. <laughs> well, fuck it then. If you haven't even got round to it and you click on a podcast called 20,000 Years and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, then... Nemo Nemo dies of old age mm. aboard the Nautilus. Never gets back on dry land. Oh. I think the, the submarine may be docked, but he never... He never, never leaves. Never leaves. It's what he would have wanted. It's how he would have wanted to go.
0: Or he would like to be buried like his shipmate is in the
1: coral cemetery that he yeah. has for his um, fallen comrades. Uh, one of whom is killed by a giant squid. Yes. Which is the centrepiece of this book. Yeah, the giant squid The attack. fight with the giant squid. Yeah, it, it is ace. It is, it is ace, and I think it is iconic. Yeah. I think the uh, the imagery of a giant squid attacking a submarine hmm. has is what most people will think of when they think of Jules Verne. Yeah. If they don't think of a rocket flying to... Mars or hot yeah. air balloon. Yeah. You know there are. He has each of his books has these images associated with them. There's the volcano for Journey to the End of the Earth. Yeah, the squid in the submarine, the rocket, the hot air balloon. Yeah, he he wrote his stories around these adventure concepts. Mm. And I'm not I'm not willing to say that he was the first person who did this, mm. but I think he definitely. He was the grandfather of this style. Everyone who came after him was looking to him for how to do it. Mm. Like Wells, like Lovecraft, like Wyndham. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Jules Verne in Wyndham, who's another one of my favorite science fiction authors, who was writing science fiction well above, conceptually well above what they were dealing with in their contemporary actual science. Yeah. So, no, Verne... It's a weird inverse Moby
0: Dick, the the setup, isn't it? Because it's yeah. instead of someone... They set off trying to get revenge on a whale. Yes. And then they discover the whale's actually a submarine with people in it. Yeah. And one of the people is Captain Nemo, who's trying to get revenge on, on man. people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think so. I think that... Well, I definitely think that Ahab loves harpooning at least as much as Ned Land does. Oh,
0: I don't think anyone loves harpooning quite as much. I,
1: Ahab doesn't start crying because he can't harpoon. I don't think. I think I think Ahab starts killing when he can't harpoon. Yeah, well,
0: that means he's 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 diverse and he can multitask and he can sort of express himself in other ways. Ned Land is made for one thing and that's harpooning. I think he says that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say. Nemo's not without his
1: threat, oh no he's Nemo quite, ne- he's quite Nemo a scary is, character sometimes Nemo is still the antagonist of this story, he if, is, if, yeah, yeah. if if there is one yeah, at one point uh, uh
0: when he turns a bit nasty or oh no, I think he he seems to be having a kind of fit an apoplectic fit, mm-hmm. but I think it's just rage um. Aaron X says something like, um, I preferred him when he was eccentric, not insane, yeah. or something like that. But they're, they're constantly suspecting that he's going around the twist. Or well, I think he's, lost he's, his mind. He's, he's gone around the twist. He is mad. Yeah. He does at one point drive his submarine over and over again into a load of sperm whales and slaughters them all.
1: Yes, much to Ned Land's joy.
0: Yeah, it does seem like about halfway through, given that it's serialised, it does seem like, no half more, more than half, three quarters of the way through, someone said, "Dear Mister Verne, all of your characters in, in this serial are cold-blooded killers of animals and and are nothing but cruel to God's creatures." Yeah. And then he decided to put in a bit about Nemo saying, "Oh, I don't kill anything that I don't need." But oh, then he, the he East, yeah. but then he immediately East. counteracts that by killing a load of sperm, sperm whales. whales because they're they're nasty
1: predators or something <laughs> like. Just leaves them to rot. Or he's um he's fully misinterpreted the intent of the letter. Yeah. And he's gone like, oh, if they, I must kill a whole lot of predators in my book to I'll show I'll just that- kill the nasty animals. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it's a bit unfair on, on uh, sperm whales. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. There is an odd... Again, a bit like Wells, mm-hmm. a really strange um, balance between... And also a bit like Boswell and Johnson, is, particularly, mm-hmm. between religion and science. Yes. Men of science who are also susceptible to religion and or superstition mm. well, this outside is, yes. religion
1: this is not long after a formal change between someone who is a natural philosopher and somebody who's a scientist yeah because the, the original scientists were you know copernicus galileo people who were men of god first and scientists second yeah and i think that a lot of the men of science of this time will be looking at science through a lens of the mechanisms of god's creation. Mm. So I I think that that's that's spot on. I think yeah. the balance is there within every character in Verne. I don't
0: think I mean Darwin gets mentioned, for example. Yes. I don't think the theory of evolution had come about no. or had been published yet. Maybe maybe his voyage It would be within years though. Y- yeah. Um but it's it's odd because uh Aranax talks about um the world being much older than the, the bible says yep. but he also talks about uh, his first impression of nemo has something like uh, in palmistry terms uh, he looked very physic or psychic uh, nemo particularly seems like it must be an atheist in his complete rejection of yes. civilization and yet he looks for any evidence of moses moses's
1: followers under the sea yeah well they um well they, they go to atlantis
0: yeah, they do also go to Atlantis. I'd kind of forgotten that.
1: So they um I think Nemo is definitely he might not be religious, but he's definitely spiritual.
0: Mm. One but, of those fuckers. One of those fuckers. Yeah. But
1: I I I don't think what his beliefs are ever clarified. Yeah. Because I think he he would probably love to be able to disprove the existence of Moses. Maybe that's why he's looking, so we can
0: So we can disprove it. Yeah. yeah. Um So, oh, just to um natural history uh highlights absolutely for me. uh one is they talk about this is we will we'll get onto some of his scientific predictions yeah. or more technological ones um but one of his natural history ones which he pretty much almost got correct was do, do you know do you remember the bits about argonauts uh keep going so you know an actual nautilus yeah which is a um, the, the spiral shell yeah, yeah. exactly so uh, a argonaut is an octopus, uh, a member of the octopus family that lives inside a, a kind of paper-thin oh, yeah, 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 shell. Yeah. yeah, And at one point, they come out on board the top of the Nautilus, yeah, the yeah. submarine, and look out, and there, um, there are all these argonauts floating on top. There's actually yes. an illustration of it in, in mine. I, can't, I don't know if it's one of the, okay. uh, the original... Was it Havel? or uh, yes, it Havel. The, yeah. Um, and Jules Verne thought, as was common knowledge at that point, Or or common thinking that Argonauts filled this tiny little shell with air Mm -hmm. so they could sail and then emptied it and sank to the bottom like other octopuses when not. Um, And he was, that was since sort of uh, rejected that theory and things, people had different. Um, reasons for why they had this thin little shell that was no protection from predators mm-hmm. but actually he was pretty much spot on it was only like something like last year or maybe a couple of years ago someone worked out that they they fill it with air at the surface and then basically use it as a ballast and okay. let out as much air as they want to to stay really? at whatever level they like that's yeah, fantastic yeah, depending on what whatever they're hunting so jules, so jules verne had it He was was pretty much right, yeah. Oh, well done, Jules. I mean, he at least got to the surface where they would fill it up, and then, you know, yeah.
1: Ah, What was the second one?
0: Uh, The second one was just something that really struck me as very true. He describes, really odd throwaway sentence, porpoises as the tireless pranksters of the seas. Yeah. And I've always thought when I've seen a porpoise that they are basically unserious animals. (laughs) (laughs) Silly animals. Yeah, they are. Like an otter, you think diary appointment, Nine to five. You know, uh, you
1: know, a duck billed platypus sweats milk.
0: Yeah, again, another another one of the tireless pranksters. You know, a chancer. (laughs) You've got poisonous spurs as well, do you? You Poisonous spurs and you you sweat milk. You're a fucking joke. (laughs) Get over there with the porpoises. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know why I said that, but I'm pretty much out of um, my my observations. What else? I think all the
1: observations I have left are about jules verne in general and what his his writing meant for adventure and action and science fiction that came after it Mm, cool well hit me well i think that i i i am unavowedly in love with the ocean Mm -hmm. i love its depiction in films and books and music and i think that jules verne is semi-responsible for getting me into that because something like Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea it is some of it can definitely be accused of He's seen some fun science and he's put it in in the same way that Dickens liked to put his political essays into his work. Yeah. But, so the the writing style and the flow tends to get a little bit broken when you get fucking Gollum deciding to categorize everything. Yeah. It does break the flow, but it's also, it's educational in a way. But that... When someone's
0: enthusiasm comes over like that, that it's not intrusive. But it's the
1: enthusiasm. And it's a kind of awkward style mm. that i like because it's awkward where you have people they aren't just you know they aren't posturing and they aren't saying cool things to be cool yeah you've got a you've got a boat full of nerds talking about nerd shit yeah and i don't know i, like, I think that 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 sort of academic style of science fiction that has a, a through line through wells through lovecraft star trek star trek where you bunch have of nerds talking, nice, bunch of nerds being talking about,
0: nice to each other and being nerdy yeah. in a sort of slightly yeah uh, nemo's got his own kind of prime directive of uh, yeah yeah
1: of his own you know yeah but yeah i think that's my that's my takeaway on it where jules verne has this sort of limitless enthusiasm for the things that he likes mm. and that, you know my god nobody's going to stop him from talking about it. his books become huge Mm. like, even though some of them are anthologies, like, just the sheer size of some of his works. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant popular. So, f- physically and popularity as well. Right, right, okay, so which ones are the massive well, terms? It's like when, when they originally all grouped together as, like, the fantastic voyages. Oh, got you. So okay. when you have all of them together in one book that were meant to be read as a kind of anthology, yeah. that I'm assuming if you read them all back-to-back, you just, the takeaway would be, this guy really, really likes science.
0: Yeah, yeah. To the point where you wonder why he's writing fiction. Yeah. Other than it offers you the freedom to just enjoy it before you've got all of the yeah the knowledge, I guess.
1: So I think in terms of ear, 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 read, ear, ear read this. Ear read
0: Jules Verne, that's Ear why. read
1: Jules Verne. Please read Jules Verne.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: You know, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a new concept to anyone is someone talking well about Jules Verne because I think he's fairly universally liked. Hmm. But I think it's almost definitely time to. In a time where, you see, it's just you sometimes see in the news, you're seeing a lot of very basic scientific concepts being questioned, like do vaccines work? Is the Earth round or flat? I think it's time to maybe go back to Jules Verne and get excited about science again.
0: Yeah, well put. Yeah, and also it's it's good to see someone guessing the right way as opposed to commandeering. Yeah uh scientific speculation to their own ends
1: yeah this is this this is science for science's sake Mm. jules verne writes this well about something because he genuinely is excited and cares about it yeah not because it was popular because it was not popular at the time this is just what he wanted to write yeah and i think he went against the odds to become as successful as he did so yeah a man whose whose work has arguably become more famous than him but i definitely think it's time to give it another eye
0: can i just ruin that really nice moment by reading this little passage,
1: is it? Are you are you about to completely undermine it by something horribly racist, <laughs> sexist, or rude that a man in the nineteenth century wrote?
0: It's none of those things. It's just a moment where my heart was in my mouth and my fingers were were crossed. Laid out on the platform, it kept struggling with convulsive. E- uh, sorry, so they've d- they've just fished out a, a, a ray. Okay, I think it's a ray. Laid out on the platform, it kept struggling with convulsive movements, trying to turn over, making such efforts that its final lunge was about to flip it into the sea. But Conseil, being very possessive of his fish, rushed at it, and before I could stop him, he seized it with both hands. Instantly, there he was, thrown on his back, legs in the air, his body half paralysed and yelling, Oh, sir, sir, will you help me? For once in his life, the poor lad didn't address me in the third person. The Canadian and I sat him up, we massaged his contracted arms, and when he regained his five senses, that eternal classifier mumbled in a broken voice. Class of cartilaginous fish, order... Con uh, with fixed gills, subordus lacia, family ragiforma, genus electric ray. Yes, my friend, I answered. It was an electric ray that put you in this deplorable state. Oh master, I oh master can trust me on this, Conseil shot back. I'll be revenged on that animal. How? I'll eat it. Which he did that same <laughs> evening, but strictly as retaliation, because frankly, it tasted like
1: leather. <laughs> One final dig at Consale on the way out the door.
0: Well, I think that covers quite a lot of the, that covers the beats of... Uh, of tasty
1: the t- tasty fish. Tasty fish. Consale being physically harmed. And his, justifiably. Justifiably so. <laughs> okay, are we... Um, I think are we so. Are fresh out of sea? Please read Jules Verne. Please read Jules
0: Verne. We'll be back soon with um, A Foul Papers. Yep. Until then, happy reading.
1: Yeah, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.